The Alabama Crops Report podcast, your trusted information source for Alabama agriculture. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Adam Rabinowitz, an extension economist with Alabama Cooperative Extension Services, and welcome to our Alabama Crops Report podcast. I'm Dr. Amanda Shear, an assistant professor and extension plant pathologist, and really excited. This is my first episode recording in season two. And I haven't seen you, Adam, in a, about a month or so. So definitely excited to be here and just do a general crop update on the market. And how else is everything going for you? Absolutely, Amanda. I was thinking the same thing. Haven't seen you in a while and, and good to be back in the studio again right now. Things are, are busy. We're, we're, we've been watching markets and we've been watching just, you know, inflation, kind of looking at what's, what's to be expected with this crop year. And uh, it's kind of, it's kept us very, very busy. Yes, I've started to see a lot more tractors, you know, on the road preparing, you know, land and tilling and corn is starting to get planted throughout the state and cotton and peanut aren't going to be too far behind. And so it's a really good time to have our guest today, Dr. Wendy M. Swadigo, an assistant professor and extension economist with responsibilities in agricultural marketing. And on today's episode, Wendy M. will be giving us a row crop market update and what we can expect kind of moving forward into this season. So Wendy M., welcome and how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me in again. It's been a little while. Yeah, you're one of our uh, reoccurring guests, and we're definitely excited to have you on the, the show again today. Yeah, always happy to be here. That's great. And, and so, you know, just, just have to throw this in there a little bit. Wendy, last year we talked a little bit about your cooking skills. So, you know, what, what's been on the menu lately? Not so much cooking recently. You know, like Adam mentioned, a lot of market updates, a lot of traveling across the state. But I have been doing a lot of eating and enjoyed some really good Dippin' Dots at the Auburn softball game this weekend. Um, thanks, Max Rungi, for the tickets. And also good kettle corn. So, you know, when you can't cook, go out there, try something you enjoy, and have a good meal. Yeah, definitely go big or go home. And that brings me back to my childhood. Love some Dippin' Dots and some kettle corn. Never can go wrong with those choices, That's especially it. at a game. Oh, That's no. it. My kids had it at the gymnastics meet, and Auburn's been doing fabulous at their gymnastics this year. Well, let's dive into things right now in terms of markets, though. So, you know, Wendy, one of the big things around this time of year is that the USDA publishes their prospective plantings report. And that kind of gives us that first indication of what producers are really thinking about in terms of planting. So tell me a little bit about what uh, what's to be expected in Alabama for 2022. So the big thing in 2022 is we're going to see a little bit of a shift, at least that's what's expected, from corn and slightly peanuts towards our other crops. So um, the biggest change would be corn is expected to be around 300,000 acres statewide, which would be down about 16% from 2021, whereas cotton is expected to be about 4% to 420,000 acres, um, soybeans up 13% to 350,000 acres, Wheat slightly up to 180,000 acres statewide, and peanuts down slightly to 175,000. Um, that was after 180,000 last year. So based on you know some of those numbers, Wendy, um, a couple episodes ago we had our weed extension specialist David Russell on, and he talked a lot about you know supply issues and weed management. But we've also seen an increase in fertilizer and pesticide costs. You know, has that played a role in why we're seeing those changes in terms of, you know, the crop acreage in Alabama, especially with corn? You know, that's more intensively managed crop. You know, I really think so. Like, um, 
these numbers kind of match up with what I've heard on the ground talking to farmers. You know, a lot of people I've heard say they're going to plant less corn and more soybeans this year. And I think this data really backs that up. I think the fact that the input costs for soybeans, if you look at our enterprise budgets um, through the farm management team on the ACES website, those have increased a lot more from last year compared to our soybean budget. So it makes planting soybeans a lot more favorable um, this year compared to corn. Absolutely. And the other side of that, too, are, are market prices. You know, yes, input costs are, are certainly higher, but market prices are have just have gone up astronomically. Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of all of them. You know, it's one of those rising tides lifted all boats situations where we have corn, cotton, soybean, and wheat prices all at just about 10-year highs, you know, highest since the last commodity boom in the early 2010s we saw. So, Wendy, do we see similar trends just in the U.S. on a whole as we do in Alabama? Or, you know, what does the market look like just for the U.S. in 2022? Yeah, so really in the U.S., we're looking at really similar to what we're seeing in Alabama. We're looking at a lot more soybeans, um, about 91 million acres nationwide, which would be right at a record there. Um, We're seeing a bit of a decrease in corn, um, down about 4% from where we were last year. And so, you know, if you look across the southeast and the Midwest, a lot of those corn acres are shifting to soybeans. We're also seeing a lot of our acreage um, shifting towards cotton. Um, Cotton expected to be up about a million acres nationwide, or about 10%. And wheat acreage is about the same, but peanut acreage is kind of one of those where we have seen shifts. Um, Not really a lot expected in terms of total peanut acreage differences, but Georgia is expected to be down about 30,000 acres or so, Alabama down about 10,000 acres from last year, but shifts towards more peanut acres in Um, South Carolina and Texas. And so those kind of wash each other out, the declines in Alabama, Georgia, and Florida, um, kind of balanced by increases in South Carolina and Texas. Yeah, and those states are always kind of competing with, you know, the top five peanut producers, you know, in the U.S. every year. So, you know, there's always fluctuations between the two of them um, or between the five of them, really. So yeah. not surprised to hear that. <laughs> yeah. And so where it would stand is Alabama would f- slip from second to third if all holds constant. So with the acreage that you just talked about, Wendy, were there any surprises in this report? Um, you know, it was pretty um, constant, at least from a crop level. You know, I've um, compared to, for instance, the National Cotton Council releases a survey. Um, that one goes out in December, usually released in February. And their results showed about 12 million acres nationally for cotton, which is right on the money with the 12.3 million, 12.2 million acres in this USDA report. Um, with peanuts, you know, conversations with state um, peanut specialists from the states kind of expected peanut levels similar to last year, at least for Alabama and Georgia. This report is kind of in that territory, maybe a little bit lower on peanut acreage than some of the state specialists think, but kind of in the territory that's to be expected. I could say the biggest surprise, though, would be the total cropland area in the U.S. So they released a number called principal crop acres. And last year, we were at 317 million acres with the prices increasing quite a bit this year, I would have thought we would see 
maybe some land taken out of idle um, acres, maybe a decrease in CRP, stuff like that. And we would see our crop acres increase. But we see total crop acres this year in the U.S. at 317 million acres again. So a little bit curious about what's going on there, if it's just the input availability that's holding back acreage from increasing or if there's something else happening there. Yeah, that, that is an interesting observation and, and it reminds me to kind of think about not just prices and not just cost of inputs, but the actual margin, right? And that's where, while we're talking about these higher prices and we're talking about the higher inputs, that means that those margins are not growing at these higher prices. So as we see margins potentially even be squeezed, depending on which move up faster, um, that's something from a farm policy perspective we, we don't really see being addressed on the crop side. It, it's more about the prices, not about the margins. Yeah. And that's really true. And, you know, it kind of brings into, uh, as an ag marketing specialist, you know, I'll say having a good marketing plan to be able to take advantage of these high commodity prices and not be squeezed by the high input prices is especially important because, you know, as we've talked about in the past and we'll probably talk about later on is there's a lot of volatility in these market prices. So what happens the rest of the growing season depends on a lot of factors and whether those prices continue to go up or come down will really affect the bottom line this year. So just sticking on the, the topic of the volatility of the market, you know, on February 24th of this year, Russia invaded Ukraine. And so the world has really been watching very closely what's going on over there. And just the general consumer can kind of understand the impact of this war on the stock market and fuel prices, because that's things that they hear about regularly in the news. But, you know, it also affects agriculture. So how has this war impacted, you know, agriculture markets in the U.S. and in Alabama? So the main effects have been um, really in two ways on agriculture. There's the input side, as we've talked about, and then the commodity side. You know, first I'll talk a little bit about the commodity side. So, you know, Ukraine is a major exporter of both wheat and corn. You know, they export about 8.5% of the world's wheat and 13% of the corn. And so they're a major player in those fields. And so there's there's just a lot of questions about, number one, will they be able to harvest their crop this year? And number two, if they are able to harvest their crop, you know, with the whole <clears throat> humanitarian crisis going on there, will they be able to transport it across the country? And if they are able to transport it, will they be able to bring it to the ports? And then will the ports be open to ship uh, the products overseas. And so that's sort of where the U.S. comes into play is um, there could be opportunities for increased U.S. exports. And that's part of the reason we've seen prices of those commodities in the U.S. increase since the invasion. You know, really, wheat's been the, the obvious one where we've seen prices increase almost $4 up to about $12.50 a bushel. That's for the, uh, sep uh, the July 2022 contract. Corn's also increased similarly about a dollar in that time. There's a secondary effect as well that, that we can think about with Ukraine uh, as a major world exporter of sunflower seed oil. And that provides some opportunities for uh, soybean producers and I think even peanut oil, uh, both soybean oil and peanut oil, as, as a needed substitute for that market. Yeah, that's very true. What about inputs in, in terms of how the Russia-Ukraine situation has affected agricultural markets? And so that's another big question because, you know, we've already been talking about the input availability issues and input prices being up. You know, now Russia is a major exporter of 
fertilizer. You know, talking about urea, they're about 17% of exports globally for nitrogen, about 16.5% for potassium. So, you know, also uh, the second largest natural gas producer and third in oil production. So very important inputs for our agriculture. And so the question is, you know, with sanctions are imposed, what would the effect of that be on U.S. agriculture there. So, you know, it's one of those things overall, you know, the U.S. is a net importer in a lot of our inputs for commodity production. So this conflict would seem to hurt U.S. agriculture in that way. But being a net exporter in a lot of our commodities, there could be increased prices for farmers um, in that regard. So really, we're at- We are talking about a global market here and the fact that, you know, a conflict on the other side of the world uh, between just two nations can have some pretty significant impacts on on our producers here in the U.S. Yeah, definitely. And especially, you know, given the territory with inflation and all the other dynamics affecting U.S. agriculture now, this is just, you know, one other factor that's sort of adding more uncertainty to the, um, the agricultural sphere here. It definitely makes it a challenge for both of our economists to use their crystal ball, so to speak, to really try and figure out where this market's going to go this year. I think the longer that the conflict holds out, the more impacts that we'll see over time, probably. I think that's very true, Amanda. I think that, you know, that we have been dealing with a lot of uncertainty in the last couple of years, first from a pandemic uh, that, you know, that was very new to markets and how it affected agriculture. And, and now, you know, we've got inflation that Wendy mentioned and, and you know, the, the, the crisis between Russia and Ukraine. And it just adds to, I think, the, the need, as I've mentioned on previous episodes, and I'll always come back again, risk management and the importance of making sure that producers are, are thinking about where their, you know, their risk is, what their, their tolerance is for the amount of risk that they can actually take on and, and thinking about the strategies on, on how to appropriately manage that risk. Yeah, and just from a general pest management standpoint, with the added costs of, you know, pesticides and also supply issues with some of those, you know, producers really have to plan very well going into the season what their spray programs are going to look like, their economic thresholds for certain pests, and just trying to really stay on top of that and keep aware of what's going on with the market. Well, Wendy, it's been great having you here today. Uh, Is there anything else that you'd like to just leave for our, our listeners? Again, I'll reiterate that point, but, you know, with the high input costs, budgeting becomes even more important, being able to manage those costs of production and make sure you're able to meet those, those costs with a marketing plan is really important as well. That is great advice. Thank you, Wendy. This was a great episode, really timely information. And that ends our time today on the Alabama Crops Report podcast. As always, if we could ever be of any help to anyone, please don't hesitate to reach out. The Alabama Crops Report podcast is a production of the Alabama Cooperative Extension System and is sponsored by Alabama Ag Credit.